Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News, reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn... You know, I'm like the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Clint Malarczyk. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the MLB Rebel team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lee. So we got a busy schedule and a lot to get to. The playoffs are on. Uh, overtime games abounding. We got big news two days in a row out of the Vegas Golden Knights this week. And what would have been a, a big announcement, which is the radio broadcast deal, was overshadowed the next day with the hiring of Gerard Gallant. We're going to get into that when Dana Lane joins us. We got Mark Scheig, lead hockey writer, contributor for the Blue Jackets, to jump in after Dana's segment. We're going to see if Columbus is done or whether they're going to go home and, and hold court. Um here with Chris Lisa. Chris, good day to you, sir. We've got a lot to get to today. We do. I just want to give a quick thank you shout out to Zach Devine. He tweeted out this week and basically told the Twitter universe, you know, the there's five uh hockey podcasts you have to listen to and he listed us as one of them. And and you know, for everyone who listens to the show, fans of the show, uh, greatly, always greatly appreciate if you uh, share our show page, be the be the Twitter, the Facebook, the Reddit, whatever the kids that I use. I'm a bit of a dinosaur, but to get the word out, we're most appreciative. But big shout out to Zach Devine for doing that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that was that was unexpected and well appreciated. Zach's a good friend of the show. We're going to have him on here, I think, in a couple weeks, right? Fingers crossed, yeah. So uh, let's break the ice. What series do you want to start with first, sir? Um, you want to do you Rangers, know the, Rangers Montreal? We were talking a little bit about them. We can start with uh, Rangers Montreal. That's one of the marquee matchups here in the first round. I think Montreal's probably lucky to get out with a with a split heading on the road and in. Kind of what you were saying is that you expect this kind of a series all the way through Game Seven in last week, and what we were talking about uh, just a couple minutes ago before we went on the air. So let me have it. Yeah, I mean the Rangers were 17 seconds away from going up, heading home up 2-0. Um, 
But, uh, you know, with the goalie pulled, uh, Montreal evened it up, really outplayed him in overtime. Um, you know, Lundqvist yeah, that's played sure. uh, great in the series, shut out in game one, 54 saves in game two. Radulov had a huge game yesterday, uh, three points. He would not be denied in overtime on that overtime goal. I'll give you a key stat to follow. We talked about before the series started that the, the one of the Achilles heels for the Rangers is their penalty kill these last couple of years, 22nd in the league, I believe, in the regular season, and Montreal had a top-10 power play so far, and it's only two games, but so far Montreal 0 for 7 on the power play. That's kind of what we thought going in um, into the season was their special teams could struggle, and I kind of thought Shea Weber would help that from the blue line. Radulov, the wild card, was, was – uh, you know, he fit in great this year, I got to say. We we were wondering about that early in the season and came to play big time last night. Um, they do have to get it done on the power play if, if they're going to challenge New York the rest of the way, though. That's um, I thought I thought uh, Montreal was going to be the better team. And, and what do you think of the goaltending matchup? Do you think Hank's outplayed Carey Price this far? I think they both. I mean, look, uh, you know, the game one where the Rangers won, it was 2 nothing, but it was an empty netter, so... Price gave up one goal. Um, look, I, I still feel very firm about my prediction that this is going to go seven. And I, I, I you know, kiddingly, but I'm serious. I would not be surprised uh, if it went to overtime. So they head back to New York uh, game three tomorrow night. Uh, I probably see a split, uh, you know, and they'll head back to Montreal 2-2. But uh, we'll see. I, I think it's, it's razor close this series. And it really is going to come down to a couple of plays when you look back at this series uh, on who, who's going home and who's advancing. Yep. I'll give you another um, stat, and I don't have the numbers. I'm trying to pull it up now, but I'm getting a little little feedback on my computer. It likes to do that from time to time. The Oilers-Shark series – the Oilers seem to be taking it to them on most of the stats, but the Sharks are just killing them in the face-off circle, killing them. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, I thought the other night after the first period and after going out on a limb uh, 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 with the panel there about the Sharks, I'm like, well, I'm going to look like a dummy on this one. Uh, <laughs> the Sharks really show their, show their resolve and totally outplayed uh, the Oilers coming from behind, showing that experience, showing uh, what they're made of. Uh, but uh, having said that, the Oilers did a tremendous job bouncing back last night in Game Two after a tough Game One loss. They did not want to go back to San Jose, go to San Jose down 0-2. But I'll give you a concerning stat as I pick the Sharks to win this series, and this is going to have to change um, if they're going to go on a playoff uh, run, let alone win this series. So far, the Sharks are one for twelve on the power play, and they've given up two short-handed goals last night. Both goals were short-handed. Um, that can obviously has to change. Yeah. The Sharks struggled <laughs> during the regular season with the power play, and as you know, Mark, that was a weapon in the playoffs last year. So, uh, you know, again, looks like yeah. they're headed for a long series. Pavelski there. was Pavelski was out of his mind last year on the power play. He just couldn't be stopped, and. Um, Really, really similar okay. to the the other Young Guns series, if you want to call Toronto, uh, you know, an Edmonton kind of parallel 
parallel path on the rise here that they took the two nothing lead in Washington and frittered and frittered it away in game one and um, ended up losing that game three, two uh, eerily similar games in that where the experience of the caps and the sharks ended up taking over the young energetic early starts from both those two teams. Kind of, kind of weird how both those games played out. Yeah. I, I just saw too much space, too much time for the caps and only the leaves are built. Uh, it's, I, 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 unlike a lot of experts who think that, and I, I can understand, you know, sometimes naive, being naive is bliss, but uh, and you don't know any better, and they just go out and play. But they're just not strong enough in their own zone, and I think the Caps are gonna gonna take advantage of them. I mean, if it wasn't Frederick for Frederick Anderson playing out of his mind, and you know, the goal he gave up, I, I actually was not a great goal to give up. He might have just been you know, worn out at that point and thrown for a split second that's, uh, you know, Wilson threw the puck on net from that spot. And that's why they always say, shoot the puck, you know. Uh, sometimes weird things happen. What else did you want to hit on in the in the, in the playoff matchups there? I know we can talk, uh, well, we're going to go Blue Jackets with Mark. We can do Boston with, yep. with uh, Dana. Well, let's do St. Louis, Minnesota, because they've got two games in the okay. books there. Uh, what's your thoughts on that series so far? Kind of what I thought. I think I think St. Louis, coming down the stretch, Minnesota wasn't playing good. St. Louis was kind of rising. We had them featured as one of our uh, rising and fallings a couple times coming coming out of the – you know they were kind of bouncing in and out of the wild card there toward the end with uh, with Nashville and ended up obviously getting that spot. But uh, it's pretty much what I expected going into that series. What about you? Uh, to me, it's been a coming out party for Jake Allen. You know, for years we've been, you know, seeing experts Jake Allen's uh, ability. Obviously, he's the reason they won Game One, fifty-one saves. And the Blues just look a little bit more poised, if you will, at the key moments. And, you know, they're going home now, up 2-0. So, uh, yeah. a lot of pressure on the Wild uh, uh, to to get this series, you know, at least win one of those games and, and be able to come back home. So, uh, they're up against it and in going into game three. So, obviously, either, either game could have went either way. Both 2-1 games, one went to overtime. The other was uh, the, the the winning goal was scored with two minutes and change left. So, uh, uh, but uh, you know, so I picked St. Louis in that series. So far, that's looking good. But uh, you know, I, I, if I was a Blues fan, I'd be you know, it's I wouldn't be I wouldn't be count, looking at your playoff matchup for the second round. So we got five minutes here. Do you no, want to get? Let's see. Let's uh, before Dana comes on. Let's hear your thoughts about uh, the Kings made some off ice moves this week and. Pick off ice moves. So, yeah. What are your thoughts? Well, I'll uh, I'll give I'll give JD Styles the shout out he deserves. He sort of broke the news on Saturday last week that uh, not only Sutter but Dean Lombardi would be let go as, at the end of the season as well. And I didn't, you know, Coach Sutter. Thank you, sir. Um, they don't do what they've done without him, but. Probably, I guess you got to agree that it's the guys need a different voice and maybe a different, maybe a little different philosophy. Um, offensively, definitely challenged. 
all season. Um, I don't know if if uh, putting a first-time general manager, Rob Blake, into the situation that the Kings are in with the cap and, and players that they have probably not being able to be moved the way, you know, there's a few names on the roster that they would probably want to move just to create the calorie space. If they're going to go with a, a more up-tempo, offensively-oriented style, then there's some players that definitely need to get moved out of there to fit that that scheme, if you will. And I know you dropped that on a, on a first time general manager. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do there. Mike Fuda was also promoted um, assistant GM, Luke Robitaille named president of hockey operations. Um, so it's kind of a, kind of a young group, not a lot of experience in their positions that they're going to have. So it's going to be a challenge for the Kings going forward to remake themselves. And I think a lot's going to depend on uh, which head coach decides to go there. I mean, their core. I'd, I'd really like to see Dowdy given more of a free reign to to work like Carlson does. I mean, he's obviously gifted dynamically offensively, and maybe that's one of the things you do to free up the offense is is take the handcuffs off off Dowdy and and let him Bobby or the thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's so I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I think it's a. I agree with you. Make an excellent point about Blake. Not that he can't do a good job, but you know this is not easy. I mean, he's like you said, he's got a couple of contract, big contracts for the next few years that he's not going to be able to move. Um, they're, as you know, Mark, just not deep enough, and they have a thin farm system and not a lot of cap space. So you add all that up, uh, you know, not a lot coming in the pipeline. Um, not a lot of cap space, getting older, not deep enough. Uh, they're going to have to get creative, uh, quite honestly, and do things, and maybe as crazy as it sounds, uh, you know, especially given that he's 32, not that he's an old man and he has plenty of great years ahead of him, but, you know, maybe you, you put out, maybe you see what you can get for Jeff Carter. Um, uh, you know, coming no, no, the no, year no. he had, <laughs> well, I, I'm, they he's don't the, have a he's lot the of one guy on the team performing, performing his cap hit, sir. I mean, Kopitar's 12 no, goals on the season. Um, no, 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 not for $10 million a year. And, I mean, Carter's at 5.8, if I'm not mistaken. And that's, I think uh, five too. that's not the piece you need to move. That's even better, right? Um, I think yeah. you probably buy out either either Gabbard or Brown as one of your first moves. Oh. Um it doesn't obviously I don't know get the, rid of your cap hit, but it spreads it out. Um, yeah, you got to yeah, make room for Kent. Out, right. He looks like he's going to be he's going to be a uh, a good you know Kemp is going to be a good offensively skilled player for this team. Um, they brought up yeah. a couple of kids in, in the last few weeks, and all of them look like there's a role for them to play. Um, you know, you got to you got to get yourself out from under one way or another. And that's one thing they can do with the buyout. Um, I don't know. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for them going forward. Um, interested to see where their their head coach search lands. Does do they go in house with John Stevens, who was promoted a couple of years ago when he had some opportunities to associate head coach? Um, kind of the writing on the wall that if Sutter goes, then you get and get your chance. Or do they go outside the box, try and bring in Lindy Ruff, um, who's probably the best coach candidate available on the market right now. 
Um, Probably, yeah. Speaking of coaching candidates, and you go back to your New York Islanders, sir, and and Dougie Wake takes the interim tag off, and he will now be the head coach going forward. I think that's well deserved. Yeah, I know they played well under him. Um, you know, they just wasn't good enough. But uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, the fact that we they did that so quickly makes one think that uh, Guard Snow will stay as general manager. Uh, still, still wouldn't be. Uh, still expect the president to be hired this off season sooner than later. And one other piece of good news: Bob McKenzie tweeted out during the week that in the coming days dash uh, weeks, he says that you know the New York Islanders will be making an announcement that they're going to be heading out to uh, with a new arena to Belmont, Long Island. So uh, obviously, it's not done. So we have that press presser. But uh, uh, Bob McKenzie doesn't idly uh, just tweet things like that out. And word around was that's pretty much what all the players have been told. So uh, uh, that's music to everyone's uh, ears, to say the least. So uh, uh, good good news on on that front. But uh, this should be a busy offseason for the Isles. Well, the first tweet I had uh, referencing Gerard Gallant as the head coach for the Vegas Knights came from Bob McKenzie. And speaking of the Vegas Golden Knights, I'm going to welcome in Dana Lane, Dana Lane Sports, prognosticator at SBR Sports, play-by-play coach of the – play-by-play coach. Play-by-play – I always mess it up, Dana. Sorry about that, buddy. Play-by-play <laughs> voice of the UNLV Rebels and co-host of the Vegas Hockey Hotline with Brian Plessy's weekdays from 1 to 2. Well, sir, what would have been the big news of the week on Monday, which was the Lotus Broadcasting Connection for the radio broadcast, certainly diminished in scale the following day at noon, where the Vegas Golden Knights welcomed in Gerard Gallant as the first head coach in franchise history. Um, I know you had your eye on Lindy Ruff, but... uh, and I did myself as well. I think Gerard Gallant's probably, at this time, I got to say, probably the better choice, actually. Um, what do you take away from that? Yeah, I, I I get what you're saying. I mean, I, I'm okay with it. Um, I, and at the press conference, I love to watch demeanor. I love to watch interaction between right. people. And I thought with Foley on the left and Gallant in the middle and McPhee on the right, I thought they – um, they played off of each other well. They looked comfortable together. Gallant looked like a leader, as did McPhee. Um, so I, I love the term of we were looking for a straight fighter, which is exactly, you know, kind of how you could describe George McPhee when, when he was playing, and I think you could just describe sure. Gallant as well. Uh, I think anybody who spent some time in the IHL, you could say, is a straight fighter, so we'll go with that. Um, you know, as far yeah. as Lindy Ruff is concerned, and look, I know for a fact that Lindy would have loved to have had this challenge. I think he would have said yes, but the obvious it, it is extremely obvious to me. And I think that, you know, Foley kind of let this out a little bit that when he said, well, the minute that we met with Gallant, we knew that that was our man, but McPhee wanted to do his due diligence. And, you know, he obviously sure. wanted to uh, interview other people that had asked him to be interviewed, but they met with him back in January. So that's telling me that if Foley said we knew that was our man, then they knew that was his, their man since January. Now, the, the name Dale Hunter came up, and it's very interesting to me because 
I would like that to know is. when did you talk to Dale Hunter because obviously <laughs> McPhee and Dale have a have a history together. Um, it would have been yeah. interesting if they talked right after they asked Dale Hunter to to use the Knights' name. Um, but if they talked to Dale Hunter after. I, you know, I have a hard time believing that, that McPhee would talk to him about a job, uh, especially with him being kind of a close colleague, if they weren't serious about actually hiring him. And, of course, Dale Hunter said no. And I think it, there is a, it isn't too far of a stretch to think that Dale Hunter said no, and then they went back to Gerard Gallant. So I don't know if he was necessarily his, their first choice, but I will say this. Uh, he looked good on the podium but he still has something to prove as a coach. A um, couple things that, that, and I went back through all this, and there's there's three things that I, I liked about the hire. Um, number one, he went through this before. He's gone through the expansion process. He can knowledge of what things worked, what things didn't, and, you know, along, down, you know, along the round table there. Uh, notice my pun. See what I did. Ha, ha. Um, uh, at the round table there, when you're talking about what 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 uh, what worked, what didn't, he has that knowledge from Columbus, and I think that's a, a nice little addition to the the package yeah. that he brings. I I yeah. like the fact that when he was in Florida, um, the first year he was there, he increased their points up like 24 points to to 91 points. The second year he was there, they were even better, setting franchise franchise records and wins and points and taking him to the playoffs. So you see a progression as, you know, his teams get better. They don't stagnate or, you know, stumble a little bit. And third, well, they wouldn't have progressed this the young, um, I think they probably would have been better off if they had kept him behind the bench for the full season. Uh, injuries, injuries played a big role in Florida. And I, I think, you know, coming out of that 10, 11 and one start, what they did personnel wise on their defense in the off season played a big part in that. Um, coming coming together and trying to get a six-man unit on the blue line doesn't happen overnight, especially with the younger guys that, that took some of those spots. I think they would have been better off. They wouldn't have progressed, but I think they would have had a better season if they had stayed with Mr. Gallant um, throughout the season, and that's debatable. But then num- number, third, number three was um, his experience working with and grooming the young talent that has come up in – in Florida. Um, I, I think that bodes well as well. And maybe that, you know, that point may be why coach Sutter, who is kind of anti young guy, um, may not have been a, a, as good a fit as Gallant has. Um, what do you think about those three? Yeah. The only thing I All was, it, it, it kind of depends. I mean, um, the only thing I thought about with Sutter was, you know, we're, we are going to have to play or they are going to have to play a defensive style of hockey, I would think, to be somewhat successful yeah. or at least find what their level of success is defined by. And I thought that Coach Sutter might be somebody that might be able to get them on the right track in that regard. But, look, um, you know, the more I thought about it with Sutter, I mean, here's a guy that they had to talk out of retirement to come to the Los Angeles Kings. I don't want to have to talk him into uh, potentially coming back off the range to, to coach an ex- expansion right. team. So, yeah, the more I thought about it, I was, you know, it lasted about a day. Then I went back to Lindy Ruff a little bit. But, hey, look, you know, the one thing, I mean, to your point, I love the fact that, 
you know, this guy has had regular season success. I think probably uh, their their exit against the against the uh, Florida Panthers was probably a, or I'm sorry, against the Islanders was probably a disappointment. But um, you know, we all get better. We put so much emphasis on players getting better from their you know, they're, they're second and third years, but I think that also applies to coaches and we never really factor that in. And now this is technically right. his, his third stop. And I expect him to put it all together to be better than he was in his previous two. And even though they won a division title, um, I think once I got into the playoffs, I would have liked to have seen more of a, uh, um, inspired effort that was more of a reflection of who they were during the regular season, but in some well, regards, look at who they I mean, play. Give them a break. Well, of course. Yeah, I mean that's exactly right. I mean you have to take that into <laughs> account. But you know, but that was a team that might have been a little bit tired at the end. Uh, let's keep in mind, you know, Boston was in first place in the, in the Atlantic uh, up until the last month, and they had the scratch and claw, and maybe. When it got to the point where they got to the top of the mountain, there just wasn't much left. Well, two two things, and I wanted you know I wanted to be there obviously, but my day job was was in full for full effect, so I wasn't able to make it to the press conference. But uh, I did stream it on my lunch break, and two two kind of weird comments I wasn't really sure how to take, and maybe you being there can can put a little. Uh, on the things first first one was we're going to be a big physical team and that was fun galant and kind of from the the fast offensively oriented style that that mcphee and and foley both have have said they want to build the team towards and the second second comment was um look he's going to coach the players and we're going to get the players, and he's not going to tell us yeah. how to get players. Yeah. It, it, from, you know, without context and, and perspective, that kind of seems like, and I, I'm not going to say there's a rift there or w- whether it was public defining roles, but what those two comments? Because everything else was pretty much per script, if you know what I mean. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Great challenge. I'm looking forward to it. Um, going to get to work, going to be a hardworking team. All those, all those sort of cliches that you hear from coaches when they, when they, those two comments kind of came up for me. What, uh, what do you, what did you take about that just from being there and, and what you felt when those things came across? Well, I'm not surprised by the latter for sure. I mean, George McPhee, <laughs> he stepped foot in Las, in Las Vegas and he was the man here. And he does not like yeah, a, a it's his organization. Show. Yeah, I mean, he likes a kind of a, a stripped-down organization, and he likes to be in charge. And, I, you know, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I would imagine that's how most organizations run. I can't imagine that Bruce Cassidy is, uh, you know, if he ever gets named to the, the, the Bruins as a, a full-time coach, I can't imagine he'll have much to do with player personnel. But on the flip side of that, I can't believe that, you know, then McPhee wouldn't go down to Galat and say, hey, you know, what do you think about this player? But, you know, that goes right in, in line with what, they, what they've done. I mean, uh, Galat wasn't part of any of these mock drafts. And so, you know, this is McPhee's show. For better or for worse, this is McPhee's show. And, and his history will tell you that you do have to trust, you know, the way he, he does things. Now, um, I don't know if you ask Bruce 
Bruce Boudreaux, he uh, he he made a little comment uh, yesterday that I saw that you know he he thinks that Las Vegas is going to be extremely successful and that George McPhee generally makes good uh, decisions and uh, except for one or two, which I think was probably a little shot from Bruce, which he's no stranger to. But um, <laughs> you know, I have to if that's the way he wants to run, that that's fine. Uh, but also understand that uh, with that if it, with that comes everything falls at your feet. And I don't know if this is an organization that, um, well, I'll give you an example. You know, the question was asked by Steve Carp, what's the terms? And it's, it's like, uh, you know, that's a legitimate question. And, and not only the money wise, but the length of the contract is a legitimate question because I want to know sure. how much time, how much time is McPhee given him? I'd love to know how much time Foley's given McPhee because I know what Foley's right. time frame is. And, and to be honest with you, that's a, that's a pretty – I think we all know that, you know, you shoot for the stars and hope for the moon. And I think that that's where Foley is. But I would have loved to have known what the terms were. Um, I had talked to a few people and uh, that should be in the know. And, you know, we could all guess around three to four years, and then we'll, we'll, we'll see where we're at at that point. And perhaps at that point, if Gallant is not the guy or has proven again that that maybe when it gets down to the, uh, you know, crunch time that he can't get him over the hump. And, and maybe at that point in time, the team will be ready for a veteran guy to come in here and push him where they need to be. So I forgot well, the first comment. <laughs> No, pretty good, pretty good, close enough. Um, our next guest is on the line here. Let me get uh, – we got some playoff hockey today. Let me get your Saturday night special before we got to let you go. What are you guys looking at for this evening? Well, I, I can tell you this. I don't love any of the size in the remaining games today because they're just too high. I don't really want anything to do with any of the games. But if I had to take one, I'm going to go back to the well with the, with the Nashville Predators. I, I certainly have got to see – Chicago win a game. I mean, it's just because we're into the playoffs. I, I don't know if, you know, we game one was, can you turn it back on again? And I think Chicago at this point has lost like five straight games. Uh, I'm not about ready to, to lay a dollar 70 or dollar 80 with a, with a favor. So I would look to a underdog and I think uh, Nashville is, is a live underdog. And maybe, maybe we got something to tech arena because honestly, tech has played, as good as he has played in, in probably two years at this point. I mean, he's been fantastic since about, um, I don't know, the middle of March or so. All right. All right. Well, uh, if, if we can get Mark to hold on just for, for another minute, I know Chris had one thing he wanted to get to you with before we let you go. Chris? No, no, you covered it. We're, we're all good. Okay. <laughs> I didn't Hi, mean Chris. to step on your toes there, sir. Um, no. <laughs> all right, Dana. Well, it, uh, I guess it's all over but the shouting now until we get to the expansion draft. Uh, that's the last, really the last piece of the pie here. Um, News-wise, I mean, we've seen the the practice facility and the pictures they put out is, is coming along. We actually saw Gallant on tour there yesterday. And yep. we know that's going to be ready about mid-August. We know there's a pending AHL announcement coming. Um, I guess that'll be the next story to, to touch on. No, that will uh, be when the Chicago Wolves get knocked out of the playoffs. 
There you go. So if we're breaking breaking news, um, not really any, any well kept secret, but with the, the they'll they'll give us a, a confirmation that that our AHL affiliate is going to be in Chicago. So um, and and actually, uh, Reed Duke's there right now. If, it hasn't got into the game yet. But the one player that we do have is uh, with Chicago right now, I believe. So that's got to be some writing on the wall. Anyway, let me let me let you go. We'll get back at you during the week, and uh, next week maybe we'll just we'll do some playoff hockey focus, unless uh, unless something else breaks out of the nights. We'll certainly cover that. But I always like talking numbers and odds and stats and everything with you. You're one of the best guys in town with their eye on hockey, as far as from the Vegas angle on that goes. So uh, we didn't get to do too much of that this week, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to look at that a little more next week, Dan. Well, that sounds good, man. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, barring any last-minute press conferences this week, we'll we'll dive into the playoffs. <laughs> All right. Well, it was it was weird the way uh, Foley just busted out that hey, by the way, we're going to announce our head coach tomorrow when they were there down doing the presser <laughs> for the, you know, announce it. You know, no one. I I I keep my eye on it. You keep your eye on. It. I hadn't heard anything that that announcement was going to be 24 hours after the radio deal got announced. And uh, he's just talking along and, oh, hey, and by the way, we're going to have a pretty big, pretty big story here tomorrow, too, because we went through this whole coaching search and we found our guy. Um, just kind of dropped the bomb on all of us like that. But, you know, he's the boss. He can do what he wants to do. Hey, I'll, I'll leave you with this. What is really funny about those between Foley and McPhee, they, they are almost complete opposites of each other because McPhee doesn't want anything to get out. He is very – Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft in that way. And then here comes Foley. And every time I talk with him <laughs> or see him, he always drops something that probably George McPhee would rather have him not drop. That's, that's a hundred percent correct. You know what, that, that, you know, what I like about that and Mark's with us and I have him on the line right now. We're going to talk about the blue jackets penguin series. Um, the one thing I like about that is that you with with that, you can see the excitement that Bill Foley has for this whole endeavor. Yes, it's um, it's 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 totally a labor of love for him. It's it's he's enjoying what he's doing. He's excited about the prospects of it, and what you know. Once again, he talked about having Excalibur at the center ice on opening night. <laughs> the guy skating out with the night outfit on and pulling the sword from the stone, and and uh, you know, in his mind's <laughs> eye. He, he's already sitting there in the owner's box, right? So just just listening to him talking and, and dropping bombs like that, honestly, you can see the excitement that he has going forward, and that's that you know that's permeating throughout the whole throughout the whole organization and the city for that matter. Yeah, well, the dynamic between Bill Foley and George McPhee is is fantastic, and then you add George Gallant that's pretty in awesome. there. I, I will I will leave you with this because I know you have another guest, and I apologize. Um, I will leave you with this. I, it will be interesting to see if Gallant and McPhee have a difference of opinion, how that gets worked out, because I think they're two very headstrong guys that probably have their own system and way to do things in mind. No, I, I agree. And that's kind of what I was alluding to when I brought up those couple comments where, you know, privately the GM and the owner do salary and, and players and, privately to coach coaches, but uh, to put that out publicly on day one, that he's going to coach, right. we're going to get the players. That's just, uh, that's George being George. I think that, you know, here's our coach, but this is how we're going to do things. And 
you know, well, it's good to have structure. Fine. It's good to have your role defined early. Yeah. <laughs> but like you said, no, when they get hey, to look, a that's, uh, that, that's fine and all. But understand this: most organizations can 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 blame the coach if that's what you're going to put right. out from day one. <laughs> then it falls at your feet. You first owned it because you're accepting yep, responsibility you for it. You owned it, and uh, that was yeah. Well, let's leave it at that, man. I'll get. We'll be in touch. Uh, we'll be in touch. And talk to you next Saturday, man. Okay. Have a good show, guys. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. All right. Well, sorry about keeping you out there, Mark. Uh, Mark Scheig joins us, lead contributor to Hawk Riders for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Chris, I'm gonna let you jump in um, and kick things off with Mark. Welcome to the show, sir. Always good to be on with you guys, no matter how long it takes to get on the air. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry about that. We were we were right. We were on a good roll there with the uh, Vegas hockey yeah, talk and all the news that came out this week. Um, Dan, Dan is pretty pretty much in the know there. He's in the media here in town on a couple different fronts, and um, his insight is always welcome with with as far as the Golden Knights go. So let me let me jump on, uh, Chris. What do we got for Mark today? Mark, great to have you back on the show. So, so Mark, have you were you in Pittsburgh for the two games? I was not in Pittsburgh for the two games, no. Okay. Um, actually not traveling this series. A little bit of a personal matter I'm dealing with, but I'm still closely monitoring the situation, even though I'm not traveling. Gotcha. Um, so what are your – break down what, – what have you, you noticed so far uh, the first two games of this series? Obviously, the Penguins – with three one and four ones empty netter in game two uh win so far. Well, I wrote about part of it today and that was right. the Mark Andre Flurry factor. I mean, you talk about expecting Matt Murray in game one. He goes out in warm ups, unfortunately gets an injury, hope he gets back soon, and in comes a guy who's won a Stanley Cup and has a lot of experience and after a couple of games, is now 6-0-2 career against Columbus in the playoffs. That's a pretty good plan B to have um, when your top goalie is not available. So that's the first thing. He's, he's stopped 70 of the 72 shots that he's faced. So he's had to face 36 shots a game, and he's let in one goal in each game. So right there, Marc-Andre Fleury has to be considered a star of the series thus far. And then if you take a look at it, the Penguins are – very opportunistic. I mean, Bobrovsky makes a bad play behind the net, and the Penguins are opportunistic, and Crosby gets that opening goal. Completely changes the whole momentum of the game, and Columbus is chasing the game from that point moving forward. It's just Columbus needs to be able to find a way to score. They haven't really been able to do that yet. They've been struggling for the last month doing that. And then they've got to try and limit Pittsburgh as much as they can. Pittsburgh is so good, they're going to get their goals. So when Bobrovsky's off and the Blue Jackets don't have their normal offense that sets up a disaster and and a two nothing deficit so now they're going home you know, they have to take tomorrow or else you know they could be looking at you know, a very disappointing sweep mark what do you think the jackets have to do to get back in this series you know i watched the game last night uh, in its entirety with, with you coming on and uh you know when they tied it up because they were doing a lot of good things in the game last night terms of uh, hits and uh, opportunities and such on goal. But, you know, once they tied it up and then immediately Pittsburgh gets that two-on-one on a bad change and they make them pay for it, 
it just Pittsburgh, like you said, opportunistic, but they seem to be on that elite level again. So, what what is your checklist for the for the Jackets to to get back in the series? They need to get quality shots is a big one. I mean, I took a look at um, probably one of my go-to sites for you know kind of some of the advanced stats, hockeystats.ca. And I just took a look at, you know, where where were they getting their shots from? I mean, they out, um, attempted them, like, something to the a tune of, like, 70 to 53 or some god-awful number where the Jackets had more chances. 26 to 9 chances from above the circles in favor of the Blue Jackets. So if you kind of factor that out, go from below the circles, it was actually pretty close to even slight favored to the Blue Jackets. They're on the outside a lot. They're not they're not making life difficult enough for the defense and Marc-Andre Fleury. Without Chris Letang, there's an opportunity there, and they have not taken advantage of the opportunity presented to them. Where, and, and taking a look at the tape, the only two Pittsburgh defensemen that have played well in this series to this point are Ian Cole and Justin Schultz. That's it. The, the bottom four, there's an opportunity there that they're not taking advantage of is because they're settling for shots on the outside. They're letting Marc-Andre Fleury see everything, and they're just not generating enough in front of the net. I mean, Tortorella said that they needed to get to the blue, into the blue paint more. They did a better job of that in game two. In game one, they only had three high-danger chances. It jumped up to nine in game two. So they did that a little bit more, but not clearly enough because Fleury was seeing everything, and when a big save was needed, he was able to make that. Or again, Bobrovsky... You know, for whatever reason, he's had a great regular season this year, probably wins the Vesna Trophy, hasn't been good in these two games, hasn't been good in this playoff career. If the Blue Jackets even want to entertain the thought of coming back into the series, Sergei Bobrovsky has to make a couple more saves, especially given how sputtering the offense has been as of late. So do a better job with their shots and get a save or two from Bobrovsky, and I think the rest should work itself out for them. Well, I think it, I think it was your Twitter feed I was looking at. Um, it's not a series until the home team loses, right? So that's, that's, looking yep. at it from that perspective, coming back to Lumbus and uh, you're at home, you get last change, all of those things, all of those things. I wanted I wanted to ask, what about the uh, the guillotine head chop at the end of the game last night? Are we? I'm, I'm seeing this morning on on the internet feeds that they, the the early word is no suspension on that. Um, what what, now, what do you think there's of a that hearing play? now? Well, there's a, there's there a hearing right now. now. They, uh, LeBron, yeah, Pierre LeBron of ESPN and TSN came out and said earlier that he didn't think that there would be a suspension from what he had heard. And then within the last hour, player safety tweeted that there will be a hearing this afternoon for the shot. It, absolutely, there needs to be a hearing. There is no place for that in the game of hockey. Absolutely. Now, what's going to be What's going to be interesting, though, is the letter of the law and what the Department of Player Safety uses to identify those sort of things. I went back and looked at previous cross-checking suspensions. The last one that came to mind that I saw was when Mike Hoffman cross-checked Logan Couture. That was a headshot, but that was also when um, Hoffman's stick rode up um, the defender's stick and kind of caused that a little bit. That ended up being a two-game suspension for a cross check of the head. This wasn't in the head. This was down in the shoulder and the neck area. And I re- I'm really curious to see where this falls, especially in the playoffs. It's a phone hearing, so we know that it's going to be 
five games or less, and they might not even get a suspension right. out of it. It could be a fine depending on, but at least there will be hearings. So this is going to be an interesting precedent to see. And, and I'll be honest with you guys, I was actually more bothered by the fact that he went back to him and knocked him down after the that, yeah. shot. That was the point. There I was, was a lot of different factors. N- number one, number one, it's away from the play. It's, it's the end of the game. It's away from the play, and it does. It's not uh, not anything to do with with what you could term a hockey play. It was it was definitely right. targeted. And and you know, playoffs. I'm all for sending the message. You're getting ready to change venues. You're down. You, you know, I'm all I'm all for that. But you don't. That's not what we're doing with that kind of a play. And then to revisit it after you after you go after it and, and before anybody else can get there, go after the same guy again. Um, yeah. You made a good point about playoffs versus regular season. And we know the NHL doesn't like to take people off the ice in the playoffs, but that's gotta be two games. I think you said was the other hit. I, and I, I, I wouldn't have any problem with two games for that. That was a, yeah, that was in the regular season though. Um, Right. End up being up the stick ahead. That, that was actually a cross check in the head to Couture. This one wasn't in the head, um, but the stick broke. And I think a lot of people yeah. tend to overreact when someone sticks breaks on a cross check. Like, I mean, he got a two minute minor. So he, I mean, on the ice, it was the correct call. It's a cross check. Unfortunately, the stick broke. He got two minutes. The fact that he went back after him with what, what appeared to be a headshot after the fact, I mean, they're looking at the cross check according to the tweet from player safety. So, yeah, okay. if I were to ha- give a guess at this, I, I I don't know where it's going to fall. I either think it's going to be a bit of a hefty fine or a one-game suspension. I really don't see more than that, just given what precedent has been set by the league here. All right, back to back to on the ice here. You go back home. You got. Uh... You get to choose your matchups. What matchups can Coach Torch do to neutralize or slow down at least this Pittsburgh offense? Faceoffs are going to be a big, uh, Go ahead. Faceoffs are going to be big, but I tell you what, um, I think there's 29 teams in the league that are kind of wondering how you can slow the Pittsburgh Penguins down, <laughs> honestly, because when you have God, you have Sidney Crosby, you have Malkin, you have Kessel. I mean. When you have those three players that could potentially be on the ice at almost any given point in time, it's kind of a pick-your-poison sort of situation. I mean, they won a cup last year out of that when they were on three separate lines. Now they have Malkin and Kessel playing on line two this year because of some of the injuries that the Penguins have been dealing with. Um, how do you slow the, How do you slow them down? I mean, you slowed Crosby down in game one, but you had Kessel get you. Yeah. And then in game two, it was Crosby and the kids who – became opportunistic and scored the first two goals of the game. So a lot of attention has been put on the whole Dubinsky Crosby thing. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to one of my favorite blogs out there, Buckeye state hockey. They wrote a really good piece actually breaking down that matchup and how it's actually not, it actually generates more offense both ways. If I remember correctly, as opposed to it being a pure shutdown situation but yet the Jackets seem to be really trusting um, that and, you know, trying to put Dubinsky out against Crosby as much as possible. And um, it appears they've tried putting either Alexander Wenberg or William Carlson out against the Malkin line. Um, 
that's that, that's such a tough thing to figure out. How how can you actually slow this team, I, team down? I actually think you can't stop them, but you can try to limit them as much as you can. And that really starts with having the puck. I mean, the Penguins do such a good job in transition. They always seem to be having the puck. The Blue Jackets have been hitting a lot. And when you hit the other team, you don't have the puck. I think the Blue Jackets need to have the puck more to be able to try and, you know, limit the Penguins. And it's really the only way that you're able to do it is no one's been able to actually stop those top stars. But if you at least have the puck and generate more high-danger scoring chances and score a few goals, at least you're giving yourself a chance. I mean, you need to score three or four goals a night to have a, a legitimate chance at the Penguins. And when, when you score one a game, it's just not going to work. So they have to find their offensive rhythm. And then they have, they have to continue hitting. They want to let them know, hey, you know, we're going we're gonna to hit you. But it's really on the Blue Jackets to get the puck more and to find their offense. If that doesn't happen, you're not stopping the Penguins. Yeah, they can't score from their own end. That's for sure. That's what's one thing. One thing they got to do is 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 carry the puck and and get it to the neutral zone and get it in exactly. time with the puck. And one th- one thing you said, twenty nine other teams are are trying to figure it out. There's thirty other teams trying to figure it out. You that is think true. When you go to build your build your team in the expansion draft and and free agency, the you're looking at at where the game is and and who's carrying the play and and better believe George McPhee and, and company are, are long-term. They're thinking about the same thing too. So let me, let me get back over to Chris here. He's got, uh, he's got a couple more for you, sir. Yeah. Hey, hey uh, Mark. Uh, so what has jumped out at you besides this series? Uh, give me a couple thoughts of things that jumped out to you around the playoffs that uh, has piqued your interest or things that you've noticed. Mm. I'll give you two. I mean, there's so many things you can pick out, but um, mm-hmm. the St. Louis Blues have jumped out at me. I mean, to go into Minnesota, a team that I think a lot of people have picked to go to the Stanley Cup final um, and to win two against Dubnik in their building, I think a lot of people have forgotten about how good the Blues can be, and they've gotten vintage Jake Allen back. And then you have Joel Edmondson scoring big goals in both games. I mean, that's you know, it's which guys can step up, which unexpected guys can step up for you. I mean, that's a perfect example right there of looking for a hero and delivering and be curious to see if St. Louis can carry that momentum on. You know, they they would play the winner of Nashville, Chicago. Boy, um, Blues beat the Blackhawks last year in the playoffs. Don't, don't forget about them. I and mean, it's I think that with everything going on around the league and, they went through the coaching change. Mike Yo sitting behind the bench now. I think a lot of people didn't give St. Louis much of a chance. Or seeing at least after two games, that was a mistake. But we'll be curious to see how, if they can continue that. And then the other thing that I think is amazing is you, know, you see Pittsburgh, you see Washington, you see how good the old guard is. And you know if things go to form, Pittsburgh, Washington will meet again in the playoffs, which can never get enough. Pittsburgh, Washington in the playoffs. It's incredible hockey. But the changing of the guard, seeing how the Toronto Maple Leafs, a team who finished 30th in the league last year, gave the Capitals a game in game one and seeing the future that they have and then seeing a team like the Edmonton Oilers and what Connor McDavid's done for that franchise. We're kind of starting to see 
what playoff hockey and what the future of hockey in the next five to ten years might look like with the Oilers, with the Maple Leafs, with the Calgary Flames, right? If the Buffalo Sabres yeah. can figure things out, um, hockey's in a really the Florida good place. Panthers. I'm going to put in there too. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's so many great young players in this league, great storylines to follow. I think we're starting to see the initial stages of a little bit of the rising up of the of those teams like the Leafs and the Oilers, and we'll be curious to see how much longer the likes of Pittsburgh, Washington, Chicago can continue Chicago. to be a perennial contender. <laughs> yep. I got one more for you, Mark, before I hand you over to uh, my compadre over there. Uh, yes, and this is a capital I ask. I'm not writing off the blue jack, but let's just say hypothetically they wind up, you know, losing in, let's say, five games. As you know, this is, uh, you know, they've been around, uh, what, uh, 12, 13, 14 years now. Still haven't won a playoff series, only been to the playoffs a couple of times. How will this season uh, be viewed? by the fan base. Disappointing. I mean, if you consider a 16-game winning streak, consider the fourth best record in the NHL. So they're playing a team that had the second best point record in the NHL. There was a lot of optimism. And then if they were to go out in four or five games, it would be absolutely, in my mind, a disappointment, just knowing that now, granted, the future is bright, so in future years, as long as they continue on this path, it should be good. But to go out like that after go, having, you know, beaten the Canadians 10 nothing earlier in the year, beating Pittsburgh 7-1, to kind of signaling to the league that you finally have figured things out a little bit and then kind of fade out like this, it would not be good. Now, I'm not sure if you guys saw this stat or not, but the Blue Jackets now, they've been in the league since 2000. They've played 12 playoff games in their franchise history. They are 2-10, and 10, and they've allowed three goals or more in every game. Oh. Ouch. So, yeah, yeah ouch. Fans are I, don't, I don't have anything to say about On that. edge right now. <laughs> Fans are very on edge, and they're, they're waiting, they're hoping – but if you talk to a Blue Jackets fan and you see that they're negative, it's because that's what they expect. That's all they're used to. So they were hoping that this would be the year that they would finally – they've never won a game in regulation either. The two games that they've won were both in overtime in 2014. So they need to get over a few humps to be able to, you know, kind of break that mold of negativity. So it it would – very much added to the disappointment that they already have, but many of them wouldn't be surprised if that's what happened, if they only lost in four or five games. That's a heavy, that's a heavy burden. I don't know how much of, of the, the past comes into play when you're actually on the ice and, and but having people ask you about that kind of stuff um, in the locker rooms or whatever, can't, can't put a positive spin on things with, with that kind of, that kind of playoff record. I hadn't seen that. That's, well, that's uh some Actually, of them haven't been impressive. there. You, yeah, some right. of those players haven't been in in there at this. And you generally don't hear that question asked in the locker room. They're their own team. They're trying to build their own identity. They're, they're saying the right things, but the fans definitely don't forget. And they're, they're waiting. They're hoping that this was finally the year that they could at least, 
you know, make it a long series or even win a series. And, you know, tomorrow's a huge game for that reason because you're talking about being in a series 2-1 or being down 3 nothing. So, well, be really curious to see what happens tomorrow. Well, let me uh, – we're, we're, we're far far enough along. Um, let me let me pick your brain a little bit about what, what could be available now. Um, rosters are set. There will probably be some movements after uh, after everyone's eliminated in, before the expansion draft. But what are, what are the Blue Jackets going to leave on the table for the Golden Knights? Hmm. Yeah, I've, I was going to wait till after the playoffs to really take a good hard look at that. But I think the common names that you'll see there, maybe Jonas Corposalo, um, the current backup who's still really young, um, the restricted free agent after the season. If the Golden Knights believe that he can be a, a potential number one, he's certainly a possibility because they'll protect Sergei Bobrovsky, of course. Um, and then a lot of the attention, if it wasn't on the goalie, was on some of their depth, like the um, Josh Andersons of the world, Matt Calvert, um, William Carlson, if you need a spinner. I, I think the same names that have been bevied about before kind of are there now, where if you have a decision between a 6'4 winger who is feisty and can get you like 12 to 15 goals a year, and Josh Anderson, or you get a defensive-minded center who could take face-offs for you and play in your bottom six and give you good defensive depth in William Carlson, or you get someone like Matt Calvert who's got speed um, the burn and is a pest shorthanded and can score you a big goal. I mean, he scored in game one of this series, um, one of the two goals. And then think back to 2014, Matt Calvert won their first-ever playoff game in overtime in Pittsburgh against Marco Andre Fleury. I mean, let's ignore what happened yesterday for a minute. That's normally not what he's like. Um, so right. I'm really curious to know what got into him on that, but he still he still could be valuable. Um, so it really depends on what else is out there. But in terms of what the Blue Jackets have available in terms of their best, I think it's one of those four players, honestly. Anderson, Carlson, um, Corpusalo, or Calvert. Just depends on what where they want to fill their need at. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be tough, and um, I I'd narrow it down to Calvert and and Carlson myself. And depending what's on the board from the other teams and where you are at center, Carlson's probably going to be the pick there. I think. Um, and and don't forget they got a lot of uh, a lot of other options coming in free agent. On record, they could go into the. You know, draft with as many as eight goalies on the roster from what their mock drafts have proven out to be so far in the room. and then use use the goalies that they accumulate as chips for the entry draft so if if Corpsalo is that and they take that and then deal him for a second or a third um, and start stockpiling in the entry draft that's another way they can go um, it, it, it's interesting. I always like I always like coming through these expansion things because there's there's so many moving parts that I mean we we've already done one mock draft show and it took two hours to get through just about and I'm sure we're going to be, be doing another one here the week before the expansion draft happens just because <laughs> excuse me so much has ha, will have changed even from from today to then um, Columbus definitely definitely has a few parts for sale right? put it that way. 
Um, Chris, what else do we got today before we got to let Mark go? No, that's it, Mark. Uh, as always, it's great having you on. We hope to have you on again uh, before uh, before the summer. And, uh, you know, I'd be surprised if the Jackets uh, don't come away with a big effort and somehow, some way, find a win in Game 3 and and uh, make and make this a series. Yeah, they're, they're confident. I mean, they spoke today even after – and their optional skate and Felino said it best. They, they, they're, they had a weird ride home because they felt like they did a lot of good things, but they found themselves down. Oh, two, they know what's in front of them. They're going to come out and, you know, we'll, we'll see what they've got. They, they feel like that they can get back into the series and we'll go from there. And I'll just leave you guys with one thought kind of around um, the future of Columbus, just knowing that in future years, even, let's say they lose a Josh Anderson or a Matt or whoever they end up losing, but it's not the goalie. They have the third pick from um, this past draft, Pierre-Luc Dubois, still on the way. They also have a kid yep. who's in Cleveland now, um, Vitaly Abramov. We keep him in mind. He was just the MVP of the Quebec League this year. Dropped all the way down the third round, probably because of how small he was. Um, those are going to be a couple names that are going to have a huge impact in Columbus, I think, moving down the line here where they're going to become a perennial contender. I mean, really, really, really good name. So it's going to soften the blow on who they lose to Las Vegas. I, I think that's Wait, 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 Mark, 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 where, where's Long Island's own Sonny Milano? Uh, what, what, where, where's uh, Long Island? Where's the... I tell you what, that's a very interesting question. He just got called back up to the team as the Monsters. They're waiting to see what the Chicago Wolves do, of all things. I, when I first got on the line with you guys today, I noticed you guys were talking about the Wolves. If, if Chicago beats Charlotte in regulation tonight, they go into the playoffs. Um, the Monsters do. Um, if, if it's any other result, then they miss out. Milano's a really interesting story. He's, he's vastly improved on the defensive end this year. He's a more of a complete player. I told you in a previous conversation that it's something that I'm closely monitoring how they're going to handle him because there's a, there's a bevy of left wingers um, on the team. And they, I thought they were trying to trade him last year. Uh, McKenzie even tweeted that and ended up not being the case. I just, I wonder where he stands. I, I just wonder if he feels like that he should be up with the big club, seeing who else has already gone up to the big club I just think it's something that needs to be watched. I think they value him. I think that they're they're going to save room for him. It's just he needs to be able to prove that he can stay up in the NHL full time. So I just think it's a really interesting dynamic to watch, though, for sure, with Milano. Well, all right, that's going to do it for us on this episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We enjoyed our conversation with Mark. Make sure you uh, – Check out Mark Scheich's Columbus Blue Jackets articles. He, he, As he said, he just dropped another one at thehockeywriters.com. Um, check that out. Obviously well-informed and up to up to speed on everything Columbus Blue Jackets, sir. Um, give out your Twitter handle and any, anywhere else they can find you online. Yeah, um, at THWMark. Um, would love to answer your questions, chat with you at any time, you know, but- just go ahead and send it to me. I usually, I, I respond to everybody. So, you know, don't hesitate. If you ever have a question about Blue Jackets or Cleveland Monsters, OHL, OHL, 
game five between Erie and London, that's going to be huge. So, yeah, I would love to hear from you. Entry draft, all that good stuff. Mark's on top of all of it. Yep. Thank you, sir, for coming in on a Saturday. We've got lots of playoff hockey to get to this afternoon, and we'll talk to you again soon. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, boys. All right, thank you. Well, that was pretty awesome. Um, Yeah, great. If they just get run, if they just get run by the Penguins here without putting up much resistance, I got to be, I got to be pretty disappointed if I'm a Blue Jackets fan. I agree with him 100 percent on that. And Verposky, the more that we talk to, he's got to step up. I mean, he's making. I mean, I know this. Yeah. He is. He's making one of the highest paid goalies in the league. He's going to win the Vesna, rightfully so, but. He's got to step up his game, and he's got to give uh, a huge effort. I know they've only scored one goal in each game, but he hasn't looked like a Vesner uh, winning goalie in this series so far. So he's not saying he's been bad, but he needs to be great. Uh, when you play a great team, you got to everyone's got to play great. Um, you got to be so great. Next week we got a big show. Big show. Uh, we got Matt Pryor coming back, simply because no one knows Gerard Gallant better than Matt Pryor of covering the Panthers the last three years, uh, all of Gallant's years in Florida. So we'll probably do the Breaking the Ice segment with Matt, also with Ken Hitchcock, which we didn't even mention, now the Dallas Stars coach, and Matt covers the Stars. So we'll get his view on uh, Hitchcock coming to Dallas. And I'm going to go on a limb and think uh, by next next Saturday the Panthers might have a new coach. So we'll probably get Matt's viewpoint on that. And if Lindy Ruff is somewhere, We'll get that same point on that. So be a little coach's corner with Matt. Uh, we're going to have Rob Soria <laughs> no of kidding, the Hockey right? Writers. Yeah, really, on uh, the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, so that's it's always great having Rob on. We've had him on two or three times. We'll have Dana back, get more of his take on the playoffs and anything new with the Golden Knights. And then in two weeks, we're planning on doing that special draft lottery show live, 8.30 p.m., Eastern Saturday, uh, uh, and we're going to have the great Zach. We'll fingers crossed on Zach Devine, uh, as long as uh, he doesn't have a conflict with the game he has to go to, um, we should be good to go. So a lot going on with the Vegas Hockey Podcast. So so my friend, real quick, what are you uh, looking forward to the most this weekend of all the games? I want to keep my eye on the Washington-Toronto series. Um, I've been... High on on Toronto since our uh, preseason show, and I I I wanted to see Marner Nylander and and uh, whoever that other guy is, uh, number thirty four, um, the Arizona kid I like to call him. Um, I was really excited to see what those three guys would do together, um, and there you know we talked with um, oh why can't I remember who it is. Um, he didn't think they would all three make the team. He thought Marner might be the 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 odd man out. But um, wow, what what a season they put together! And and like Schiger was saying, um, that is that is the team to watch going. The only the only problem is that man, they're going to have salary cap issues <laughs> when 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 you go to re-sign those guys. That's going to be tough. But um, they're going to have to figure out a way. That's a dynamic. Trio and and the, the uh, I almost said spare parts, not spare parts. The role players that they have, the the Bozaks and and all, so on down. They all have their roles and they're. I, I really want to see. Um, they got to feel like they let one slip away, 
Um, I want to see if they can come back and answer the bell like like Edmonton did. Edmonton was at home and Toronto obviously on the road. So uh, I still want to see if they get that. I have I have the Capitals in my little NHL bracket challenge getting past them. But, uh, man, what a fun team that is to watch. Absolutely. Well, listen, my friend, I have to run, and I know you have to run as well. So uh, looking forward to next Saturday as always. And uh, happy Easter to you and yours and uh, all our listeners, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, make make sure you guys go out on iTunes, SoundCloud, Blog Talk Radio, uh, Google Play. Find find us out there. We're out there. Click on subscribe. Leave us leave us a review. It always helps a lot. And um, obviously, go to thehockeywriters.com. Check out their podcast page. We're on there with a bunch of other good podcasts. Make sure you give a click on that and uh, check out all the podcasts on there. You know, there's 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 a lot of podcasts, but they kind of have the some of the best hockey podcasts that that come out of the hockey writers are all on their podcast page. So go over there and check that out. Um, We're going to have a busy week. We had a busy week this week and it looks to continue here as the playoffs go deeper and deeper. Uh, And and we're going to be on top of it for everybody. Make sure you guys all share us at Vegas hockey pod on Twitter, retweet our stuff, help spread the word. That always helps too. We appreciate that. But for this week, for Chris, I'm Mark. Here we go.